You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, I am currently watching the Detroit Lions game, so I can't tell you exactly where we're at on all things, but I did obviously get to see the Minnesota Vikings game. Um, I will give them some credit. Uh, that is, I suppose, due. They, uh, they fought pretty hard early on. The defense looked super terrifying. Fortunately, their humanity showed at some point. Bengals started to get into a rhythm and were able to come back and win that game. So the Vikings now fall to 7-7. Seven and seven. Still in a decent uh, situation, decent position to get into the playoffs, but obviously not encouraging. And they have three divisional games in a row. They have the Lions, then the Packers, then the Lions. And I have to assume if you're a Vikings fan, as much as there might be some positives and whatnot, it's hard to watch how bad your offense is and then watch your defense completely implode and allow the other team to come back and win and feel like you're going to win three straight divisional games in a row. Not that they necessarily need to, I'm just saying. At the very least, they need to hope that they beat the Packers. Because if you're not going to win the division, you're competing with Green Bay for that spot. If you lose to Green Bay, you're in a rough, rough position. And then the Lions, again, I don't know how this one's going to turn out, but you look at your schedule and, I mean, equally, you're looking at that Vikings thing and you're thinking it's going to be tough to beat them twice. I don't think they beat Dallas. So if you lose to the Broncos, we're likely going to end the season losing three of four, which technically would be four of five when you factor in the Bears game. So anyways, that's, uh, that's the division. I want to start off uh, game day, by the way, happy game day, talking about a motivated Jordan Love. I want to talk about Jordan Love and his contract for a second. And I don't mean like his impending, how much is he going to get paid? I'm talking about this year. So just as a source of familiarization, just sort of an overview, 2023, he signed a $22.5 million extension with the Packers, $13.5 million fully guaranteed at signing runs through 2024. The way that looks in 2023, $1 million base, and then he had a signing bonus that was like $5 million. I say like because I'm doing math, but I'm guessing it's exactly $5 million. So he put $6 million in his pocket, and then next year he has a $5.5 million base salary, in addition to a half a million dollar workout bonus. That ain't bad, right? And obviously, he's motivated because he would like to get that really, really big contract, and that's the biggest thing. If he plays really, really well, there's a very good chance he's getting a massive contract extension this offseason in just a couple of months, right? A little bit more on that, though, because his contract actually has some incentives in it. Jordan Love has $9 million in incentives in his contract right now. Now, the first one is a Pro Bowl selection. This one is obviously relatively unlikely unless he just goes on an absolute psychotic, murderous mission down the stretch and can't be uh, denied. But it is a $1 million uh, bonus if he goes to the Pro Bowl. And remember, there are three 
per conference. So there will be three NFC quarterbacks. So it's not entirely impossible. So that's one. He also gets a half a million dollars if he takes part in 65% of the offense's regular season snaps. He's probably already hit that. Now, we won't know until the season ends. I mean, who knows? Maybe they run like 500 plays or something coming up in one of these games. But more than likely, he's already hit that number. He needs one of these three things to happen for him to get $1 million, which again, I I know in NFL money, it's not, I guess, that much. I, I shouldn't even say that. It is even in NFL money. In like superstar money, it doesn't seem like a ton. But a million freaking dollars, dude. Again, he needs one of these three. 10 regular season wins, or playoff berth, or top 10 passer rating, and top 10 in touchdown passes. Now, if we get to 10 wins, we're getting in the playoffs. So we can probably just not even worry about that one. If the Packers get into the playoffs, Jordan Love gets an extra $1 million in his bank account, minus taxes. That's a big freaking deal. Now, as far as the others, I, I will say it's relatively unlikely that we miss the playoffs and he hits on both top 10 passer rating and top 10 in passing touchdowns because he's quite a far distance away from that. So he'd have to play really, really well, which means we're probably in the playoffs. But let's look at it anyways. Right now, NFL passer rating, he ranks 21st. Passing touchdowns, he's tied for fifth. So he would need passer rating to come up quite a bit. The number 10, and I don't know exactly what the cutoff is in terms of snap counts when you don't even include a quarterback. You got a guy throwing one pass or whatever. Obviously, that's not going to count. But if I just use PFF's filters of 20% of the maximum number of dropbacks, Jared Goff has a passer rating of 94.8. Jordan Love is sitting at 89. So it's actually not that far away, but um, that's, that's what he needs to get it up to, about a 95 probably, and then maintain his level as a top 10 quarterback in touchdown passes. But again, I think the biggest one to focus on is playoff berth. If the Packers get in, dude gets a million bucks. There's a couple other statistical escalators in here, though. If he's just top 10 in touchdown passes, this has nothing to do with anything else, he gets a half a million dollars. Right now, as it stands, he's going to get a half a million dollars just from that statistic. If he is top 10 in passing yards, he gets $500,000. He's currently 12th. That's real close. That's real enticing. He needs to climb two more spots to get a half million dollars. He's about 100 yards behind Jalen Hurts, who's 10th. Then there is both of these you need 65% snaps. We'll just assume he gets then top 10 in completion percentage, which I don't think he's going to get, and top 10 in passer rating. Again, that is attainable. Now, remember, these are independent. So if we get to the playoffs, he gets a million dollars on top of if he hits passer rating, that's a half a million touchdown that's another half a million so that'd be that'd be two million and then if he gets to passing yards that's 2.5 million dollars but then they make it even easier on him they add 65 percent of snap and make him just top 16 in some of these categories so if he has 65 percent of snaps and is top 16 in passing yards he can get a half a million dollars if he gets 65 percent of snaps and top 16 in passing touchdowns half a million dollars. Then there's also completion percentage and passer rating, which seems counterintuitive because that's a half million dollars. Like, why would you even have the the top 10, but also top 16? Because then all you need is top 16. It's because you can only get 1.5 million maximum out of these. 
In other words, and I know this is getting confusing, but just hear me out. There are four categories here. If he hits 65%, which he will, and he can do top 16 in passing touchdowns, let's do uh, passer rating, completion percentage, and passing yards, he can get his 1.5 million and then still get a half a million for touchdowns because he's top 10. So those are some statistical ones. Then there's also playoff escalators, right? So he's he's hit all this money. He's made all that stuff. Here are a couple things. If he hits 65% and a playoff berth, that's a half a million. And again, you can say, well, he already hit that with the playoff berth and the other one. If we get to 10 wins, because you can only get $1 million from that category. So if we get to 10 wins, he gets a million bucks for that. If we get 65% and a playoff berth, that's a half a million. If we win that first game, half a million dollars. If he wins the game after that, million bucks. And then if he wins a Super Bowl, it's another million. So if the Packers went on this ridiculous run to to win a Super Bowl, remember, he signed a $5 million signing bonus and he has a base salary of a million dollars. So that's $6 million. He can get a million bucks from a Pro Bowl selection, a half a million dollars for 65%, $1 million from the team success escalator, so that's 10 wins or playoff berth or top 10, blah, blah, blah. He can get another, I, I, if I did the math right, roughly like $4.5 million, nearly doubling his salary just before he even gets into the playoff. And then there's another $2.5 million waiting for him if he's able to pull off wins in the playoffs. There's a lot of money and incentives, and it's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm guessing a lot of these players actually have this, and I'm going to do some work digging into some of the incentives that are in some of these other contracts that we can look at to kind of monitor or see where guys are at or whatever. But it is worth noting, especially as we get down to the wire, especially as he's kind of teetering in some of these categories, obviously you expect Jordan to play his best at all times no matter what. But you got to think in the back of his head, if, if you're a couple passes away from $500,000, now if you're Aaron Rodgers, maybe you don't care. But if you're Jordan Love and you just got paid for the first time and a bunch of that money isn't even in your pocket yet and a lot of that money wasn't even guaranteed and, and et cetera, et cetera, and there's no guarantee you're going to get that next big con. You know what I mean? Like, bro, you can get a $500,000 check sent to your house because you hit a certain number. That's freaking crazy. There's also, by the way, another segment here that's worth exploring, and that is the motivation not just to Jordan, but to the rest of the team. We know how these guys rally around Jordan. They all rally around each other, and I'm sure they'll all support each other in all of these things. How much more motivation is there, though, for Wicks and Reed and Dobbs and Watson and Tucker Craft and the offensive line and the rest of these guys knowing what it does for Jordan? What happens when it turns out that he's in the running for the Pro Bowl? When he's, he's sort of that number four, number five, if, you, if you're kind of looking at it right now and you want to get him up into the top three so he can get a million freaking dollars. Now, obviously, team success becomes comes before individual success. You shouldn't see hero ball out there for the sake of getting a couple extra yards. You shouldn't see play calling change for the sake of it. Um, at the end of the day, everybody wins if the team wins, including Jordan. A lot of those incentives are team-based. But it's an interesting dynamic. I mean, and, and you know, as a final thought, to anyone that might think like, well, that's stupid, that wouldn't happen. We see it all the time. How many times do we talk about a player being in a contract year and how hard they work in that contract year? And then times we see when those incentives aren't there, maybe they're not playing quite as well. I mean, to be completely honest, look at Rashawn pre and post contract. I'm not trying to say for sure with Rashawn, I'm just saying it hasn't been as good. And I'm hoping it's a fluke, but it's a thing and we know it's a thing. 
Anyways, I thought that was a fun, interesting little uh, change of pace topic. Hopefully we see it. Hopefully we see Jordan just absolutely tear it up. And we can try to monitor these things as we go along and track where he's at. Top 10, this, that, or the other. And like I said, I'll try to dig in and see where I can find some other ones. But uh, why don't we take our first break? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support the podcast. You can do so for as little as $1 per month. Otherwise, hit me up on Venmo, Packernet Podcast. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Before we get into our uh, next topic here, I want to talk a little bit about a question that I saw Tausch posted on social media. I thought I'd attack that, but um, I found this interesting. I just checked the New York Times interactive chances to make the playoffs. Um, This is prior to the Packers game, obviously. They actually have the Packers odds at 49%. So um, since the Packers kind of went on a little bit of a run, and I know this is just a simulation, so it's, it's right at about 50%. But it definitely feels like we're at a bit of a tipping point. Now, obviously, it's it's possible they could lose this game, go on to win out, and still get into the playoffs. But as it stands right now, New York Times has it where if the Packers win, they move to a 65% chance, and if they lose, it goes down to a 27% chance. Now, again, everybody has their own numbers. I gave you different numbers yesterday. But that that feels pretty dire. I mean, if, if you're a team at 27%, you kind of feel like it's – it's it's obviously still possible. It's one in four, but it just it feels real bad <laughs> to say the least. Especially coming off a two game skid, and uh, you know on, on the flip side, sixty five percent 
things can go south, but that feels pretty comfortable, especially, you know, winning, what, four out of your last five and going into Carolina. So these are two very different extremes pending what happens here. Um, I did actually change the uh, calculation here so that the Bengals do beat the Vikings. It really doesn't move the needle very much, which I guess kind of makes sense. It's more on the Packers than anything else because if the, the Vikings can go on and lose and lose and lose. Somebody else will just fill that void in terms of you know taking that spot. The Packers have to do what they need to do to get themselves in the playoffs. Um, New York Times does have, you know, again, Lions, 99% playoffs makes sense. 86% winning the division. The Vikings, 69% playoffs, 12% to win the division. Packers, 49% to get in, 2% to win the division. Now, the Vikings, they haven't updated it to 7 and 7 yet. Let's see if, let me just hit refresh and see if they possibly did it. They did not. We'll check that later. The Bears sitting at 7%. I swear, if the Bears go on a run and freaking... Ah, I don't even want to talk about it. It's never mind. But that is like one in ten. Like that's not that crazy. Lions are gonna win this freaking game, aren't they? Come on, man. Everything is going wrong. I guess it's not. <laughs> I just watched the Vikings lose. Everything isn't going wrong, but it just feels like the Vikings are starting to, you know, figure out stuff, and the Bears are winning, and the Lions are gonna win, and it's stupid, and I don't like it. Anyways, uh, Wildy and Tausch posted on social media. Um, I mean, there's a whole big, long, looks like two and a half hour stream or something that they did for social media. But underneath that, I just happened to notice this. Um, Mark Tauscher posted a question. Why does Joe Barry get so much grief, but Bisaccia doesn't? Now, I occasionally listen to their show. I haven't listened in a while. I don't know the full context of what they're talking about. But let me take a swing at it. And I'm not saying Bisaccia should be necessarily off the hook. But I at least have an answer. And I'm not necessarily saying Bisaccia should be, you know, roll out the red carpet. I was relatively anti-Bisaccia when he came over. I was one of the, the only ones that was because there was so much hype around Rich Bisaccia as this truly elite, like he's one of the oldest guys around. He knows so much. He's like the best special teams guy. He's basically a head coach and all this stuff. And I kind of dismissed a lot of that. He hasn't even had a really good special teams unit in several years, he wasn't even the oldest special teams guy. I found guys, you know, I I was trying to like back all these things up, and I just couldn't do it. Like he just he didn't have good special teams units. And the reality is, he's a special teams guy that happened to be promoted to interim head coach, and then you saw the team have some success, kind of like what's happening this year with the Raiders, or or any other year with any other team when they fire the head coach and an interim guy comes up, and then they rally for a little bit. And that's really all it was. So I I, I kind of saw it as a lot of hype for Rich Bisaccia that was sort of unwarranted. But let me uh, let me take a crack at it because all things are not equal, right? If if we look at just the uh, let's stick with DVOA here, our defense is ranked twenty eighth. Our special teams is ranked twenty eighth. Just from that lens. Very obviously, Bisaccia should be getting as much grief as Joe Barry. Now, that assumes a lot of things. It assumes that special teams is as important. Well, <laughs> let me just go through all my reasons. It assumes that special teams is as important as defense. It assumes that Rich Bisaccia has been here as long as Joe Barry. It assumes that they have equally talented players. 
it assumes that they both came into similar situations. In other words, Joe Barry inherited just as bad of a defense as Rich Bisaccia inherited as far as special teams. It assumes a whole heck of a lot of stuff. Unfortunately, a lot of those things don't really translate. So when Joe Barry took over, the defense ranked 25th. It really hasn't improved from that mark. It's gone up, it's gone down, but if I told you that the defense was going to be about 25th, I would assume your reaction would be, that sounds about right. I was kind of hoping for maybe 20th-ish, but you know, 25th, yeah, okay, somewhere in that range. The defensive DVOA was negative 2.7, which is to say 2.7% worse than a typical defense. Joe Barry has had three years to improve on that, and we are currently sitting at 28th. And again, how much investment has there been in defense compared to special teams? Now, obviously, you don't expect as much investment in special teams, but it's still worth noting that a lot of high-powered, high picks have gone to fixing the defense that haven't necessarily gone to special teams. And if you're thinking, well, hold on, we have added some pieces to special teams, thank you, because you're helping my case. We added Anders Carlson. That's true. We actually drafted him. Why does that help my case? Because he's a rookie. A big part of the reason Rich Passaccia's special teams unit is 28th is because of the field goal kicking and the extra points and things that are because of a rookie kicker who we've already seen massive strides from. So in a way, as negative as it's been, Anders Carlson, at least for me, has wildly exceeded my expectations. He was not a very good college kicker. And we knew that. The Packers knew that when they drafted him. So he was going to be, to some degree, a work in progress, as we are seeing. Daniel Whelan was signed by the Saints in 2022 as an undrafted free agent. This is year two for him. By the way, one of the guys, and again, I didn't listen to the video, so I don't know, but one of the reasons special teams is being being scolded right now is because of what happened last week. And obviously we have very, it's not because we're 28th in special teams. We've been bad or on DVOA. It's, it's, we've been bad in that for a while. Nobody cared. It's because something got shoved in our face and suddenly we want to throw a temper tantrum about it. Yes, Andres Carlson missed a field goal. Again, he's a rookie. And also, Mason Crosby, he was also missing quite a few also. But this is, this is a work in progress for a young kicker who is working on his consistency. The other was a muffed punt or kickoff or whatever it was from Keyshawn Nixon. I want you to look at me with a straight face and tell me the miracle that is Keyshawn Nixon should now be used against Rich Bisaccia because he made one freaking mistake. Do I have to remind you that Keyshawn Nixon was a nobody? He was a nobody. He came over here and I said, he's not even good enough for special teams. I said, I did go so far as to say he might even have some defensive upside because he was actually pretty decent when he played defense. But he's not a very good special teamer. He never was a kick returner. He never did it before. And last year, he was the number one kick returner. So, no, there has not been nearly the investment in special teams as there has been with defense. There has been some investment, but they're young, they need some time to grow, and they are growing. And some of the things that we've seen from a development standpoint, from, from you know, whatever, that, that is pretty miraculous. But the biggest low-hanging fruit is last year. Remember, this is year two for Rich Passaccia, not year three like it is for Joe Barry. This is year two. What happened in year one? Do you remember two years ago prior to Rich Passaccia getting here? We had the 32nd ranked special teams unit in the entire NFL. 
is widely regarded as one of the worst special teams units in a generation. And although it got off to a little bit of a slow start, I think in the second half of the season, they were the number one special teams unit in the entire NFL last year. Largely on the back of Keyshawn Nixon, but also some other pieces that were used and the way in which they were used. How many times did I talk about how I've never seen guys? Maybe, maybe there'll be one guy with like a 70 grade on special teams, and then suddenly there's just like five or six, and there's also guys with 80s and 90 grades. I've never seen that before. It was not hard for me to see the difference that Rich Bisaccia made. Now, yes, things are pretty bad right now. Depending on where you look, PFF has them ranked like 19th or whatever. But again, a lot of that has to do with the kicking, which is a work in progress. There's a couple other things that are at play here, though. Number one special teams player, not talking returns or kicks or anything, was Eric Wilson. Eric Wilson's still playing and still having a good year. Here's a couple other names that were actually in the 70s last year. Josiah DeGuara. Well, how's he doing? Oh yeah, that's right, he's out. Patrick Taylor. How's he doing? Oh yeah, he just was gone for most of the season. Uh, Razul Douglas. Oh yeah, he's gone. Uh, Dean Lowry. Oh yeah, that's right, he's gone. Ladarius Hamilton. Nope, he's gone. Uh, Adrian Amos. Oh wait, he's gone. Jonathan Garvin. Oh, wait, he's gone. The only two people that were, and I, I even I even expanded it. Uh, that was, he, Jonathan Garvin was at a 68. If you continue, Eric Stokes. Nope. Justin Hollins, 65. Nope. Um, Tyler Davis was the next highest. Nope. Then Micah Abernathy. Nope. And then 14th is Josh Myers. So in the top 13... Only two guys are still on the special teams from the top 13 last year, and that's Isaiah McDuffie and Eric Wilson. But here's the thing. There's still some good players. In fact, from 65 up, there's still 12 guys. So it's about the same in terms of the amount of players that are playing well. Why? Well, because he's done a really... Oh, actually, Justin Hollins is still... I didn't even know he's with the team. I apologize. He's still here. He's still in the top top 13-ish. But how is he able to do Because he's developed new players to be good. So at 65 or higher, we have Luke Musgrave, who went out, which is going to hurt your special teams. You have Ben Sims, who's brand new. You have Isaiah McDuffie, as I said, still up there. Justin Holland's still there. You have A.J. Dillon, Christian Welch. Um, Christian Welch, this is his first year in Green Bay. He has a 71 special teams grade. Last year with Baltimore, it was a 64 so we've developed him into a good player. You have Eric Wilson again, who, as I mentioned, was good last year. Tucker Kraft, who is a rookie, has a 78.6 special teams grade. Yash Nyman has an 80.6 special teams grade. And Carl Brooks, the rookie, has an 83.2 special teams grade. So all the best players are gone. There were about 13 of them, say from 65 or higher. There are 12 this year, basically all new. Now, has there been general regression? I would say that there has. Yeah, Eric Wilson isn't as good as he was last year, although he's still good. Isaiah McDuffie, not as good as he was last year, although still good. Keyshawn Nixon, not as good as he was last year. However, he's not bad. He has the seventh highest yards per attempt uh, as far as kick returns at 27. That's not a bad thing. He doesn't have any touchdowns, but guess what? Only one guy in the entire NFL has a kick return touchdown, Marvin Mims for Denver. 
And actually, that's not even true because a lot of these guys aren't even kick returners. The only reason they're so high as far as their returns is because of their punt returns. So we can eliminate some of these. For example, Britton Covey is at 30 yards per uh, return. He's only done one return. In fact, of anybody with 10 or more kickoff returns, he's actually number one. But we'll just say he's sixth instead of seventh because we'll just remove Britton Covey. Otherwise, it's seven, seven, eight, nine, nine for the other ones that are ahead of him. He has 24 kickoff returns, which, by the way, is by far number one in the NFL. The next highest in, in kickoff return opportunities is 16. He also has the sixth longest return of any kick returner at 51 yards and is understandably number one in kickoff return yards in the NFL with 647. The second highest is 367. Oh, and don't forget, his punt returner is a rookie by the name of Jaden Reed. So he's also trying to navigate through that. So do I think that um, Rich Passaccia deserves a parade for what's happening this year? No, I don't. Do I think that it's maybe a little bit upsetting that we weren't quite as good this year as we were last year when the special teams was the envy of the league? Yeah. Do I think that he should be fired? I think that's stupid. Now, maybe next year we come back and it continues to get worse. And even though everything stays the same, let's say a bunch of these guys stay, the special teamers and, you know, Keyshawn takes another slide and Jaden doesn't grow and, you know, whatever, maybe you could be concerned. But um, no, I think all things considered, again, the variables being extremely different, Rich Bisaccia working with an entirely new crew of guys a brand new kicker, a brand new uh, punter, a brand new punt returner. Oh, and a brand new long snapper. New kicker, new punter, new long snapper, new punt returner, and a massive turnover in your special teams players. With, what did I say, like 11 of your top 13 players no longer being with the team? Maybe maybe drop that down to 10 out of 13 when I because I've realized... Hollins apparently is still... Was he cut mid-season or something? Yeah, he's with the Chargers now, so he must have just played earlier on. Whatever. So he's gone now. So he is gone. And not only was he our best last year, he was our best this year, or one of our best, and he's already gone. And no, I'm not going to start a conversation about, well, that's how you know Gutekunst sucks, because that's stupid. Hollins was a terrible pass rusher. Maybe, maybe Gutekunst was stupid for picking him up in the first place. And the Packers are stupid for constantly having him as like this number two on the depth chart for whatever freaking reason all offseason. But the bottom line is, if we just look at the context a little bit, rather than just throwing a temper tantrum about a couple bad plays and pretending that that's the reason we lost, when in reality, it was an entire collapse. And the Lions are freaking dominating Detroit or <laughs> Denver. Whatever. Leave me alone. You don't know my truth. All right, I'll tell you what, let's take a break. We come back. I want to get through a bunch of uh, listener calls. In fact, I'm planning on this being a little bit of a longer episode today. We'll call it kind of a, a bonus day. And just for the record, the only reason I'm doing it is because of Snacks and Uncle Rico and their generosity. So specifically as a thank you to them, we're not only going to take calls, we're going to take a lot of them. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, Kyle from Madison. Hey. So after an entire day of listening to people and perusing the social media, I just have to say, Packers fans, please, 
pull yourself together. I understand you're all in your feelings right now. Can I just say, what we need desperately is for Nate and Kyle from Madison to have a thing. I don't mean like a, a weird thing. I mean like a, a, a sit down, whether it's just like calling in. Yeah, don't, don't do calling in back and forth because that could... We just need to have a little bit of a round table here. You know what I mean? Or maybe we should just do a call-in. We'll just do it like a debate show, and that way it'll be civilized because they can't interrupt each other. We'll just do, you know, a uh, 60-second introduction or, or I guess a three-minute intro into why you think everybody should calm down, and then Nate can do, uh, you know, 30-second or uh, three-minute, you know, intro as to why people who say that we should calm down should be stabbed a lot. I don't know. You guys can figure it out. I won't make your arguments for you. But it's embarrassing. Like, I know this isn't everybody, but like, man, <laughs> have a little freaking intestinal fortitude. Pull yourself together and stop being so damn embarrassing. People acting like live action memes out there right now. People that told me, you know, yesterday or the day before that, after the Chiefs victory that, you know, no matter what happens, I'm, you know, this has been a successful season. And then, you know, an hour after the game, I'm out on Packers. I'm out on love. Like, dude, pull yourself together, you know? I mean, heck, we dropped games like this with, you know, in our NFC uh, championship appearance seasons, like against the Chargers. Again, it's, it's not like this is the only Packer team to ever do that. And also, I mean, I, I'm sorry to tell you, but if you didn't know one of the, at least one of these was coming between now and the end of the season, I'm sorry, but your expectations are just in the wrong place, right? So just pull it together. I, it's bad enough coming from, you know, the, the rivals, but like, Packer fans, just just relax a second. I, it's okay to be disappointed. I'm not saying like don't be disappointed. I'm disappointed, of course. It always hurts my heart when the Packers lose, you know. But try to take it with a little more class. I mean. Honestly, nothing has changed in the landscape. If you're a pro, let's make it to the playoffs person. Nothing's changed. They're going to probably have to win their last four. All right. Again, I, I'm, I'm with you most of the way. But you lean a little bit too heavy into the, like, you know, part where you said nothing changed. Because something absolutely changed. We went from like 75% down to like 49% odds of getting into the playoffs. And that doesn't even take into account the fact that now you have to look at this team through the lens of maybe they're not that good. So things have changed, absolutely. They're still um, potentially getting into the playoffs, but even then you look at it and say, you get into the playoffs, cool, but it's not as cool anymore because instead of getting into the playoffs as a team that you think actually has a chance, you're getting into the playoffs as a team that barely limped in and... Um, is going to get embarrassed here in the very near future, and that's going to suck. You know what I mean? It 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 is different losing to the Giants. It just is. And and I know I've said this three times, but you've said it three times, so I'll just say it three times to match your three times. Um, even if you expected a game to be lost, you did not expect it to be the Giants. Most people, anyways, did not expect the Giants or Carolina to be one of those two teams. Anybody else? Yeah, maybe. Right? Hopefully not the Bears, but they're at least on the other side of it. 
The Giants and Carolina are competing for worst team in the NFL. Just don't lose to those two, because if you lose to those two, now we're in very serious trouble. And that's what happened. And that's the concern. Game, maybe three and one. Might even set up a play-in game with the Bears. You know, but like, they entered that game as the seventh seed. They're still the seventh seed. And really, the important game is the Tampa, the, the Tampa game, really. So I would much rather them get punched in the face I mean, these guys are going to have to learn. I would rather them win the game and not get punched in the face. They're going to have to learn. You take anybody for granted. I mean, the, the margin for error is so small in the NFL, especially for this team with this many injuries. You have to prepare every week. And they got smacked in the mouth, and the, and the wind didn't bail them out, and now they're going to have to come back and beat Tampa. But please, please, the dramatics, it's like, it's just embarrassing. Let's all just calm down, please. And act like you've been here before. All right? Thank you. So, again, I agree that if you're suddenly all the way out on Jordan, suddenly all the way out on the team, suddenly fire everybody, which I am seeing, you know, everybody needs to be fired, um, including, as I just said, Rich Passaccia. And I'm sure one more loss and Matt LaFleur needs to be fired again and Gutekunst needs to be fired again and everybody else needs to be fired again. I, I'm, I'm sure. Actually, Matt probably a lot of people want him fired because he ran end arounds like a bunch of times. Um but again, I, I just, I can't take it so far as to pretend like it didn't matter. Like it's not that big of a deal. It, it is a big deal because none of these games are guaranteed. And so the odds are you're going to lose one, maybe two, even if you're good. If you lose one right out of the gate to maybe the worst team on your schedule, it changes a lot of things, a lot of things. So, um, I think if if you take the approach, which it seems like you do, that that was just a complete fluke. In other words, the team that we saw that played, you know, Detroit and Kansas City was more the real team. This was just a young team making young team mistakes, not understanding stuff. They're going to figure it out. You won't see that again, and we're going to get right back on track. If that's the case, fine. I don't think that that's the case. Um, I I think that this was, you know, again, I don't know to what degree we're going to see how often we're going to see bad Packers compared to good Packers. But um, we've just seen this collapse too many times with too many different teams. Like you mentioned, we've seen this happen with the Rodgers teams and everything else. We've seen it happen too many times to assume that this is just a quick little learning experience and everything will be fine. Um, I don't think that that's the case. I think probably, although I think we're going to see good Packers again, we're probably going to see that again, unfortunately, which means we're probably not going to win out from here either which means there's a good chance we don't actually even make the playoffs, which after beating the Chiefs felt pretty unlikely that we wouldn't make the playoffs. At this point in my mind, honestly, it's mm, it's it's iffy that we're going to make the playoffs. So, uh, you know, we have to beat Tampa. If we don't, then it's, you know, again, we, we our odds plummet. And that's because we lost to the Giants. This could have been the game where it's like it doesn't, you know, we're going to lose one, it doesn't really matter. You lose the first one out of the gate, now you can't lose anymore, right? So you lost your buffer. You lost your cushion, which is another reason why that game mattered because it's not a matter of, you know, you win two or three. You know, if you if you win three in a row, now you can look at it and say, hey, we can lose one, and it's not even that big of a deal. You lost the first one out of the gate to the easiest opponent you're going to see all year, arguably. I mean, it just, you know, again, don't overreact, but don't underreact either i would say i mean if you want to underreact you can i'm not i'm not asking you to, i'm not telling you to be miserable 
But I am telling you that I'm just I'm not necessarily buying that. Hey, Ryan, Trevor, Virginia. Hey. Um, catch up on podcast. And the, the two minutes of you recording while watching the end of the game <laughs> would be the greatest 15 minutes podcast I've ever listened to in my life. Nice. Um, it's just you should do that more. Everything that I went through, it was like going through it again, <laughs> but like this time it didn't hurt. Obviously, it was hurting you in the moment, and I don't right. like that. But um, it's just like you started off with, I don't care about this game anymore. So I'm going to recording. <laughs> exactly where I was. And then it was like, uh, you know, right the highs and lows of the game going yeah. up and down and whatnot. So, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I don't know. We're hoping we have a bounce back week next week because two bad weeks in a row again this time of the season. That's going to be very demoralizing and maybe very more unsure about the future. Go back up. And, you know, again, I do expect to see that good version of the Packers again. And honestly, this kind of this game makes sense. It's at home. It's coming off that loss when they're ready to kind of get revved up again. Um, if we get Aaron Jones back, I think that would, you know, pay dividends in that regard. Um, and then, you know, it's not a divisional game, so it's it's not, you know, you, you always feel a little bit iffy going into, you know, the Vikings stadium playing the the Bears. And it just, it, you, you kind of feel a, a little bit uneasy about those games, even if you're the better one. But, you know, I mean, Tampa Bay, it just it just feels like this could be the one, you know? If you told me that they're going to have one more super dominant performance, obviously the Bears come to mind because that's just what the Packers do to the Bears. So that one might be the number one, especially since that one's at home. But if I had to pick another one, I don't know if I wouldn't pick Tampa over Carolina, especially since considering the way that they've been playing on the road and whatnot. So I I don't want to get everybody all overhyped up or anything. I'm just saying it's... uh, I think it's coming, and I think there's a good chance that we see it this week, and I'm hoping we do because I think not only does the team need it for the playoffs and everything else, but I think the fan base needs it. Like I said, it was so much fun. We we all had so much fun in those wins. Beating, you know, beating the Chargers was fun. Beating De- Detroit was unbelievably fun, and then beating the Chiefs was like the most euphoric feeling ever. Um, and then this happened. So <laughs> whatever, we'll, we'll we'll ride the roller coaster, but I think we could use a win here. Yes, Ryan, this is Embrace the Suck. Now, I'm here listening you do the play-by-play. You're killing it. <laughs> this is something you should be doing. We should be listening to you on game day. <laughs> You're doing a great job with that. With that being said, I want to talk about Joe Barry a little more. I, I can't, can't get over it. I'm listening to, you know, everybody hating on him and everything, and I'm thinking, why do I not like this guy? And I'm thinking it's like that song, I Shot the Sheriff. Sheriff John Brown always hated me. I don't know, don't know why. Every time he planted a tree, he'd kill it before it grew. That's the way I am with Joe Barry. I mean, we could go to the playoffs and win and win the championship, and he shut out every team along the way. I still want him gone. No. I'm just over this dude. I mean, every time we play the, the worst quarterback in the world, they make him look like they're the best. I'm just I'm, I'm over it. Anyway... You're killing it. I like it, man. Talk to you later. I appreciate it. Yeah, and, and again, my, my whole thing right now comes down to just, you know, I mean, look, the whole team had a bad game. The defense had a bad game. The quarterback had a bad game, whatever. Um, it's easy to kind of dismiss a singular performance or whatever. The question for me, though, is do you actually trust it? You know, I can look at the offense and see the pieces we have and say that once the pieces start to play better, this is going to be a really good team. We've already seen it. Look at how good this offense was 
when those guys were executing what Matt LaFleur told them to, to do, right? When Jordan Love was throwing the ball really accurately and doing all those things and the guys were making great catches, this offense is freaking unstoppable and can beat anybody. I don't, I don't, it's, it's not even, it's not a hard question for me at all on the offensive side of things. And then special teams, again, we just went through the whole thing. Is there anybody that genuinely believes that this defense can do the same thing? I think the answer has to be no. Obviously, I say anybody. That's, I'm sure there are lots of people that believe that Joe Barry can, but it just, for me, no. And I think for most people, no. If, if you ask the question that way, are they going to have good games? Yeah, they're, they're going to dominate some people. They're, they might pitch a shutout against Carolina. I don't know. That's not my question, though. It's not, can you do things in small packages? And it's certainly not, can you do good things against bad teams? Do I trust you in the postseason to, to be able to stop premier teams as a compliment to our offense? And we've seen it in small doses, sure. I just, I just don't, I don't have faith in it. I don't have faith that we're going to be a top 10, top 5, certainly, defense that is going to be able to do that for sustained periods of time, which is what you have to do in the postseason. You're going to have to do it not just once, but ideally like, what, three different times, four different times against some of the best offenses in football? I don't have a huge amount of faith. What's up, Brian? It's uh, Aaron from Eau Claire. Um, I have an alternative theory about this Giants-Packers game with the whole... uh, Tommy DeVito thing. Sure. My theory is that some mafia connections that Tommy DeVito uh, had some connections with actually uh, threatened Matt LaFleur to throw the game. Yep. And uh, like in the in the Godfather when the guy wakes up and there's the horse head. The decapitated horse head in mm-hmm. next to him in the bed and yep. it's like, Oh, okay, okay, I'll put him in the movie. Um, I'm not saying that I that I truly believe that this happened, but I mean, there's at least a little bit of a possibility, right? Um, especially that, uh, Tommy DeVito's agent, who looked like uh, you know some uh, 1950s mobster. So, anyways. No, I, obviously, I don't. I don't think that happened. But you know, I mean, I, I guess. I guess it's. Not, yeah, he looked like Christopher Moltisanti, right? Not out of the realm of one hundred percent impossibility. He probably just uh, probably just ninety nine point nine 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 nine. So, uh, anyways, no, really, really uh, frustrating game. Obviously, everyone feels the same way about it, um, and. Uh, yeah, well, I guess the Giants squashed us. That's the way it is. Got to move on. Hope, hope that they play better next week and, and all the weeks to come. Um, all right. Remember that uh, episode of The Office when the insurance salesman came around and they were convinced that he was in the Mafia? Maybe it was that kind of a situation where the Packers players just convinced themselves that there were mob connections and they kind of just misread certain things and kind of got themselves whipped up and were like, you know what, guys? It just ain't worth it. Like, we're, we'll be fine. 
We're obviously good enough to get into the playoffs. If we drop this one, we'll just dominate everybody else. It ain't worth it. I, I'm, I'm not dying for this, you know? It's possible. Yo, Ryan, Uncle Rico. Uncle Rico. I just listening to you on the podcast and talking about Jair and his injuries. What is the deal with people wanting players to play that are injured and and then expecting them to play well and whatnot? You know, let them – I just stopped at a green light. What the hell? Let them <laughs> – let them get over their injuries. I've I did that once before, and it was a really weird experience. And then I think I like went through the red light. I don't know. I was freaking not actually drunk, but something was wrong with my head. So they can play well. I don't get it. You want people to play half-assed? Oh, when a freaking horse hurts his leg, it doesn't run in a race. It gets better, and then it runs in a race. You know, example, Aaron Rodgers last year hurt his thumb, right? wasn't smart enough the organization wasn't forceful enough or smart enough or whatever to set the guy until he's healed so we could make a playoff run so he's got to play half-assed and interior makes no sense when you're injured you sit out until you're not injured or (laughs) it's not going to get worse or you know just get 100 percent healed so you can play 100 percent football instead of playing half-assed football there's Guys waiting on the bench that can play as well as you when you're half-assed. So it makes no sense for you to play half-assed. Sit out, get better, let the half-assed guys fill in and play half-assed, and then you come in and play 100% when you're better. Seems like uh, a no-brainer, don't it? Rico out. Yeah, well, it seems to be, uh, if I had to guess, that seems to be more or less what the Packers are trying to do a little bit more of this year because... I feel like I've never seen this many questionable players not playing. There used to be a time when it was almost automatic. If a guy practiced and he was questionable, he was going to play. And this year, if you practice and you're questionable, it's like 30% you're going to play. So they're definitely doing it more than I remember. But I agree, generally harder to play injured than healthy. Hey, Ryan. Hey. Trucker Bob here. What's going on, Trucker Bob? Now that we've all expressed our frustration, mm. I've got a truckload, 42,000 pounds Whew. of paper, newspaper, magazine paper. Trucker Bob, i got to ask you, you, would you ever, I, I, you know, I'm not asking you to change anything up, but let's just say we could like snap our fingers. Have you seen that, uh, that Tesla truck? Because... I would. I, I always said because people always talk to me about being a truck driver. Like, hey, they actually make good money and da da da. I'm like, I could never drive a truck. Like, it just it scares the crap out of me. I don't even like driving next to trucks. I don't think I could do it. But I watched that Tesla truck. It's like it looks. I I just I especially without all the shifting and like the double clutch and all the crazy. I don't know if you have to do that in maybe more modern trucks. You don't have to. I don't know how trucks work. But um, I looked at it. And I'm like, you know, if I ever had to like redo some stuff i almost think i could be a truck driver in that tesla truck i'm just wondering if you ever seen it and if you thought it was cool or stupid or whatever because uh you're a truck driver and i'd love your expertise i apologize please continue all in nice neat little blocks and we're heading for new jersey i don't mean the cyber truck by the way i mean the actual semi sorry what i want to do is i am going to find new jersey mike's house <laughs> and eliminate 
the curse of New oh Jersey Mike once and for all. <laughs> I'm going to stack these 42,000 pounds of paper all oh. around his house, douse it in gasoline, and start a fire, and New Jersey Mike won't be able to curse the Packers by attending <laughs> Packer games anymore. Oh that is Trucker Bob's solution to Green Bay's losing streak. Ooh. See you later, Ryan. Hey, New Jersey Mike. Hi. I gotta be. I gotta be careful with some of this stuff. One of these days, there's gonna be a listener that's gonna like go out and do something crazy, and it's gonna be my fault. By the way, um, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. Jersey Mike's living in Texas these days, but maybe you could find his childhood home. But please make sure there's no people in the house before you do it. Also. I feel like you shouldn't do it would be the 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 additional thought that I would have to that plan. <laughs> that Trucker Bob, he's got a, I think we just learned Trucker Bob has a past and maybe there's a reason he's a trucker, you know? He's, he's, he's on the lamb. He's just on the move constantly. Hey, Ryan. Hey. Um... This call is also going out to Matt LaFleur because I know Matt LaFleur listens. Um, listener. So, we all know that in this game against the Giants, we ran the end around to Jaden Reed probably about 20 million too many times. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking, I was like, that play could have worked really, really well, but subbing Jaden Reed for Tucker Kraft. Like, can you imagine... This is something I would actually like to see, and just for fun, even if it doesn't work, which I'm pretty sure it probably would. Um, <laughs> it's Tucker Kraft on an end around instead of Jaden Reed. If you can somehow get him one on one with the linebacker going outside, or even heck, maybe we can trap him into getting a corner on Tucker Kraft. Tucker Kraft is going to barrel right through them, and that thing is going to the house every time. Um, maybe not every time, uh, because if we run it uh, a few too many times, like we did this last week with Jaden Reed, it might not work after the first couple times. Um, anyways, but that's just something I would love to see. Or maybe, heck, AJ Dillon. I mean, that's different. But they're not expecting a Tucker Craft end around the outside. They're expecting a Jaden Reed end around to the outside. So if you can get Tucker Craft in motion and just fly in outside, get him a pull out of steam, and then just turn up field and have, like, one person in his path that he can barrel through because that's what he does is just runs mad and is like hey i'm going to barrel through you you're not standing a chance there defender guy um i think that'd be pretty cool um yeah i think this is a prime example of a situation where if you're matt lafleur you sit there and you're tapping your pen on your desk and you're thinking about it and you're just you're breaking out into a sweat because you know first of all you know you want to do it second of all you know that if it works, people are going to love it. Your team's going to love it. Everybody's going to be jacked, and you're going to be called a really small, smart play caller. It's going to be like everything is great. If it doesn't work, everybody's going to hate you so much because everyone's going to say that is the dumbest thing that they've ever seen in their life. Let's get the big slow guy coming across to get hit in the backfield, right? So if like if he comes around and nobody sees it, and when they finally notice it, he truck sticks like four guys and gets 15 yards on it. It's like, that's brilliant because the linebackers are going the wrong way. 
You got blockers out in front. When you finally get like a couple corners or a safety coming up to try to take him on, he's going to stiff arm him into next century. Like it's just, it's just a brilliant play. But then you see, you know, somebody on the edge is able to catch his leg and drag him down. It's like, wow, any wide receiver on planet Earth could have got around that one. Good thing we picked the slowest freaking playmaker we have. You know what I mean? Like that. And that's how the fan base operates, too. It's like when, when it works, you look at it, it's like, here's the genius. Let me, let me explain the genius to you. It's amazing. And then when it doesn't work, it's all just these sarcastic, crappy comments. Like, wow, any idiot would know that you don't do that. He must be the dumbest person on planet Earth. Can't get over Trucker Bob saying he's going to burn down <laughs> Jersey Mike's house. <laughs> Jersey Mike, you better you better go into hiding, man. He's he's on he's on the lookout, and he's I shouldn't have told him you live in Texas. I messed up. That was a my bad. I apologize for that one. Hey Ryan, it's Uncle Rico. Hey, I was just listening to the After Dark, and so play I heard Aaron say that uh, he's uh, he's having issues. His uh, his apartment was almost broken into. Yeah, that's crazy. Right. I just want to know who the heck is Meek Mill. <laughs> Who's Meek? I don't know who is Meek Mill. Let me look it up. Meek Mill. I know I've heard the name before. Um, let's see, Meek Mill. What do we got here? Rapper Meek Mill gets emotional as Pennsylvania governor did something. Got cut off there. Overhaul's probation system. Cool. Um, Robert Rameek Williams, known professionally as Meek Mill, is an American rapper born and raised in Philadelphia. West Philadelphia born and raised or what? Uh, Embarked in music careers, battle rapper, later formed short-lived rap group. Do you have to be a battle rapper to become a good rapper or is that just like some people come up that way, other people just do different stuff. T.I. signed him to his first record deal. Is that like the next level too? Like if you're a rapper, you're a successful rapper, and then, you know, because these things are cyclical, after a while you're kind of a has-been, do you then have to like start signing guys? And how does that work? You would have to have like a record label, right? And what does that even mean anyways? I have no idea. I don't know how this stuff works. I don't know why, 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 why am I looking into this? Uncle Rico, did Meek Mill break into his house, you think? Where does Aaron live? West Philadelphia? I don't know, but uh, maybe that's why he's crying about that probation thing being overhauled because he knows he's about to get in trouble for breaking into houses and stuff. I don't know. I'm not sure what we're talking about, and I'm terrified because Trucker Bob just called back in, and we got to find out what he's doing because I'm worried that he's threatening some more people now. <laughs> I'm worried he's going to call and be like, hey, I, got, I found Jersey Mike. I burned his house down, and I slashed his car tires, and I beat the crap out of him. Hey, by the way, where's that freaking uh, Uncle Rico at? He's been talking some trash. I'm going to track him down. I'm just I'm terrified at this point. Hey, Ryan. This is Trucker Bob. And he sounds so like, like now it's there's such an eerie. <laughs> it's like just so just direct and I don't know. It's 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 happy but not in a, in a very dark way. I'm terrified. I'm seeing uh, different social media, the constant drumbeats. They have our defensive coordinator fired. 
I've asked this question before, and I think I'm going to ask it again. All right. What good would that do? You want an answer to that? or We had Patton. Yep. With three, four defense. And the coordinator before him had the three, four defense. Oh, that's right. It's the four, three, three, four thing, right? I think you called in about that before. Now Barry has a three-four defense, and everybody had the same problem. They couldn't stop the run or a scrambling quarterback. If we're not going to change the scheme of our defense, what good is he going to do? You think bringing in another three-four coordinator is going to change anything? I don't. I think this is going to be like this until we switch. I mean, look at Minnesota. He talks about, boy, they're crummy. They're a bad team. They switched defenses. They put in a whole new scheme. All of a sudden, they got a winning record. They don't even have their starting quarterback. And not particularly a very good team on top of that. So my question is, and I've asked this before, and people keep shoving it aside, say, we need a new coordinator, and I'm going, what good is that going to do? Really? Take some time and answer the question. Okay, fire Barry. Then what? What are we going to do? Get another three, four coordinator? That's what our personnel is developed around. My whole thing was, if we're going to get a defensive coordinator, we need somebody that's going to come in with a whole different scheme, and we're going to have to change some of our players around because we're not going to fit the new scheme. That's my question, Ryan. Do us any good to fire Barry. Trucker Bob, I'm out of here. Well, I don't even know if you disagree with the actual question you asked at the end there. Um, sounds like you acknowledge that the defense is not good enough and needs to be changed. So would it do us any good to fire Barry? Um, it sounds like that is a necessary condition to becoming um, a better defense, right? So so the proper and eloquent way to answer that is that firing Joe Barry is necessary but not sufficient. It's a necessary condition, not a sufficient condition. In other words, yes, it has to be done, but no, it is not a fix in and of itself. And I don't think anyone's claiming that it is. I don't think anyone's saying we don't even need a defensive coordinator, but they're saying that that is a necessary step. In other words, the only path or every path to fixing the defense requires Joe Barry being fired. There are still paths from that point in which we have a bad defense. Right there, there are. Uh, let's just say there are trillions of different paths we could take. Be less dramatic and just say specifically as far as what's realistic. There are dozens of paths we could take, and let's say that only a handful. Let's say out of fifty different scenarios, five of them end with us having a top ten defense. Some of them are top five, but only five. But all five of them start with firing Joe Barry and finding somebody else. So that's number one. Number two, in my defense, you have asked this before, and I did answer the question. 
So either you didn't hear it or you didn't like my answer. I'm not entirely sure. Um, I, I, I'll i come kind of halfway first, and that is the change of ski, because that can mean a lot of different things more broadly, more specifically, whatever. I think you could probably make a case that there are better defensive philosophies than what are being run right now. There are also, you know, similar you know, call it the more broadly the Vic Fangio scheme. There are probably variants of it, just like the Shanahan scheme has different variants and variations and philosophies within that. I don't know exactly how that all works as far as how Joe Barry does it compared to somebody else or whatever. So maybe, you know, you could have a different quote unquote scheme that's nearly identical in terms of concepts. Like, for example, you can look at the Earhart Perkins offense and the West Coast offense. And still find lots of similar, I mean, like, there's still guys running curl routes, you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's a lot of similarities. So there are probably other, you know, zone-based or too high systems that are not necessarily the, what what you would consider under the Vic Fangio rubric. So that's kind of a discussion in and of itself, and I can't really lend myself too much to that in terms of, I mean, I think most of us want a change. I think partially it's just because this isn't working, so we want something else. Um, I think it's partially because we're seeing some of these other things work. And the other thing I will get to in a second. And then number three, it's just a more cool thing. And that is the more aggressive style of defense. So you look at the, well, the, the giants, but also Minnesota. Um, I think Baltimore historically, they're, they're the attacking aggressive style defenses as opposed to the more passive or cautious style defenses, right? They're more fun and exciting. We see teams do it with success, even though all of them, I'm, I'm sure not all of them are, but it's still, when you look at a team and it has success, you say, I want to do that. And it's just different than what we do, so a lot of people want to do it. I don't really know. I, I don't. I think you can I think you can have a defensive coordinator that runs this exact scheme and does a better job and it works. Now, on the particular topic of the 3-4 versus the 4-3, I think the first time you called in, unless I'm mistaken, you primarily focused in on the run, which you mentioned briefly here. Um, there may be some validity to that. I think I looked into it and it was kind of 50-50 on like some of the best run defense teams and whether they were 3-4 or 4-3. But the bottom line is in terms of do we have to become a 4-3 team, if that's specifically what you're asking, in order to be a good defense, the answer is very obviously no, because there are very good 3-4 teams out there, right? And so, I mean, again, we can discuss the merits of the 4-3 and why it would be better, um, we couldn't, I couldn't, I, I really couldn't care less. In fact, I kind of like the three, four, although obviously there are some annoying things like outside linebackers dropping into coverage and whatnot, but there are more disguises and it's just, it's, it's, I, I enjoy it. I like three, four, maybe it's just cause it's what I'm accustomed to, which I don't know why that would mean I like it. I should probably hate it, but, but no, I mean, there, there are currently today, very good three, four, uh, defenses and very bad four, three defenses. Um, I, I think as a, as a matter of principle, I would not want to shift away unless it was felt to be absolutely necessary for the reason that you pointed out in terms of needing brand new players. Although I do think we have a, a, a roster that is a little bit more conducive than many others because we like the size. And in a lot of cases, we actually go and get sort of the bigger DN type and turn them into outside linebackers like Rashawn Gary. So I think a lot of these guys could handle that. But I guess generally speaking, those would be my thoughts on switching scheme. I we, we have to switch the way in which we play. I don't know how far away we have to get before we can find success. In fact, I don't think we have to go very far at all. My personal thought is it's more about the person running it and the person calling plays than it is the specific scheme. But 
That's just my thought. Ryan, what's up? Kyle what up? from Madison. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. Hey, uh, no, never sweat it, man. If you don't get it, like, you were apologizing on the podcast today because, you, you know, you just couldn't stay up till 12 and get the, yeah, uh, the podcast in. Um, you know, as, as great as those are, obviously we all love to have them, but, man, you do a lot. And I, I know I speak for everybody. Like, we all appreciate very much the work you do, especially with having a family and a job and stuff. So, you know, uh, we, we appreciate the work you do. And whatever you can give us, whenever you can give it to us is really appreciated. So don't sweat it. Thank you. Happy holidays to everybody also. Um, I'm wondering if you think, do you think nine wins will get us in this year? Like, do you think not? Because I, I, it always feels like it's going to be more, and then you get down the stretch, and it's like, oh. Hey, actually, you know, nine wins will do it. You know, you look at the the way it sets up now, and you're thinking maybe, but I don't know if I, I don't know. I think nine actually might do it this year. I think a nine win team might get in. Um, I know you're high on the uh, you're higher on the Vikings than I am right now. Certainly, their defense looks good, but I mean, three points. Yeah. Uh, against the Raiders. Yeah, I feel like they're gonna fall off, but uh. We'll see, man. I I don't know. I mean, I think the Packers possibly could go four and zero. I think more likely is probably three and one or two and two. Uh, two and two certainly you don't get in. Three and one maybe. I just don't know. I mean, you probably have the injury report by the time you hear this, but man, you know, Wicks. You know, he said his his ankle was left after the game, high ankle sprain. Maybe you know, if that's the case, probably that's the season ender. And then I know uh, Reed was in concussion protocol because of that two-point. He got just jacked up. Um, so if those guys are out, we saw what a just a terrible difference it made not having Watson. I mean, just the way the Giants were able to compress the field and then blitz from the secondary of an already compressed defensive set, like, it was trouble. And then you lose these guys. Like, I'm not sure what there's left. And it, like, what do we have left as an offensive weapon? We have Tucker Craft. This is going to be the Tucker Craft game. I'm not sure what you're going to, you know, roll out to Todd Bowles in the Tampa defense. Like, what do you have left? You got Dobbs and Heath, and then who? Like Grant DeBow and Samari Torre. Uh, I'm not sure. Like, maybe if Jones comes back, you know, but then is he going to be at a 10 or 11 carry? Or, like, how do we generate offense is my question coming into the Tampa game. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. Um, well, uh, I'll, I'll answer the last one first, I guess. I mean, I I don't know. And th- this is where it becomes a challenge for Matt LaFleur. And, and I think it's why we saw so much Jaden Reed in the last game is running out of options. Um, and I think that the biggest issue, and we can, you know, chastise him all we want, and I think some of it is fair, but if you can't stretch the field with Christian Watson, you're having a lot of hard time with the intermediate throws. You, you don't have a deep passing game. The intermediate throws are tough because you're not having that opened up for you. And so if you're going to do underneath stuff, who do you want to give it to? You want to do it to the guy who can make plays. And again, Aaron Jones is a big play guy. He's not on the field. Um, it's tough. And you can give it to Tucker Craft and, and try to get him to rumble for a few. So we saw a little bit more Tucker Craft. But it, it really is a difficult challenge. I mean, if I just asked you that question, you know, you you don't have much deep threat. You really don't. And it, it, at the very least, coming into this game plan, you just need to know, 
it's probably not going to be very successful, right? So that's number one. Uh, the intermediate stuff is going to be more challenging because there's going to be less space. So be careful with that. Um, and so, uh, you know, your, your Musgrave is out and, and Aaron Jones is out. What do you do? It's a tough question. And I do wonder if, you know, backs to the wall, we do see more, I don't want to say end rounds, but just kind of leaning heavily into the creativity of it all. You know, we're seeing sort of the toss back to the quarterback stuff, which of course failed because Zach Tom got blown back into the running back and all that stuff. But you start to see more of that. You see the end arounds. You maybe you see the Tucker Craft end around. I don't know. You know the the double reverses and you know the uh, roll to the left, quick toss back to the right type stuff. You know, it's it is a tough equation right now, um, which is where you know you kind of come into it with. Of course, I want to win, and I want to see this this offense get off to a good start. I certainly want to see the the just plain ugly stuff get cleaned up, but you have to understand that it's probably going to be difficult to get going. And I think the the most important thing is is the excitement for next year, especially and at least in so far as the offense is concerned. As far as your other question, nine wins, I absolutely think gets us in. Um, now there are some very big games coming up, so so let, let me let me do this here. How do I reset this stupid thing? All right, so let's let's use the New York Times thing again. Forty nine percent. Okay, let's say we um let's do kind of worst case scenario where we lose to the Vikings but win the rest. I would assume that's worst case scenario, right? Um, New York Times has us at about eighty seven percent that we win. So that's all things being equal. Not really knowing how things are going to shake out. But of course, if you're running a simulation, you're going to choose the favorites, et cetera, et cetera. So according to this, even if we lose to the Vikings, if we get nine wins, and we can switch it where we lose to the Buccaneers but beat the Vikings, that ups it to 96%. So we're talking about just one more loss. And uh, let's try the Bears just to make sure. Yep, 96. So 80 687%. Now, there are some very important games, and they're so nice as to color code this for us. Obviously, the Seahawks are a big one, the Vikings, the Buccaneers kind of a um, couple games in here that are serious. Seahawks, Rams, I think those are kind of the biggest. So it's at right now it's at 88%. I ran it again. Just this week, the Seahawks one is the biggest one. If the Seahawks beat the Eagles, our odds drop to 78%. Okay, still really good. Next week, let's say, so we beat the Panthers. We've already predetermined our wins and losses. The Vikings beat the Lions and the Seahawks beat the Titans. Okay, that's just those two games. We dropped to 67%. Now, this is everything pretty much going wrong. Uh, let's say the next week, the Seahawks beat the Steelers. That's a big one and drops us down to 52%. Then if the if, if the Seahawks win again, which they must have just won out, that drops us down to like 6%. So again, all things being equal, if we get to nine wins, there is an 86, let's say, percent chance that if we get to nine wins, we're going to get in. But there are some serious games that have some serious implications. Uh, we absolutely positively need the Eagles to beat the Seahawks. That's a big one. And then on our schedule, obviously, I mean, just as it stands right now, we're at 50%, right? Um, individually for these games, if we win this week, it goes to 62. If we beat the Panthers, it's at 60. If we beat the Bears, it's at 66. If we beat the Vikings, 75% chance we're in. 
So that by far is the biggest game. Interestingly enough, though, the biggest odds against us, in other words, if we lose this game, it's most likely that we don't get in. Buccaneers game this week. This is the most damaging loss that we could have for whatever reason. Hey, Ryan, it's Jersey Mike. So I got to get something set straight. Listen, listen, I'm not cursed, okay? Oh, I'm not cursed. It's go. not my fault the team lost. Here we has nothing go. to do with that. You know, the first game I went to by myself, well, actually, that You know, we talk about taking accountability, right? You know, we expect the coaches to take accountability. We expect the players to take accountability. You know what? As fans, we got to take accountability when we curse the team and cause them to lose. It's that simple, Jersey Mike. Come on, man. You're better than this. With my wife, was against the Houston Texans, down in Houston, and we won. And then, every single game I've gone to since, so it was... Packers were Saints in Jacksonville, and they lost that. But that was a preseason opener, and Rodgers hasn't pra- had yeah, a practice. Then the next game we lost was, what, last season, uh, FedEx Field, us versus the Commanders. Um, and that that was just a horrible game by our defense. And- yeah, it was a horrible game that we should have won. Weird. Aaron Rodgers. So, so, again, not my fault. And now this time, who failed? Who, who Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, I even show you. up with my A.J. Dillon jersey on. on, and they're like, nah, we're not going to use this guy, Mr. All-Weather, Mr. You know, walks into a press conference with just overalls on and has a conversation while the announcers are shivering. You know, let's not use that guy. Let's, let's just do a bunch of end-arounds to Jaden Reed. Oh, and, uh, you know, on defense, on the last drop of the game, you know, when we're, we're trying to stop them from getting field, like, yeah, just give up yards. Let's try to drain the clock, even though they have two friggin' timeouts left. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Yeah. And if somehow I have just this negative energy where Joe Barry and Matt LaFleur forget how to do anything, you know what? Fine. So be it. Because I'm going to be at another Packers game next year, and I don't want to hear that same damn excuse. You know what the problem was this week? Our teams didn't show up to play. Right? Special offense. And- right, but why? We, we know they lost, Jersey Mike. We saw the game. We all watched it. We're just trying to figure out how something like that could possibly happen. And I think we all know it's just time that all of us, including you, come to terms with the situation at hand. Because they didn't show up. And why didn't they show up? You. Because the coaches were dog No, no. They were awful. Don't, oh, here we go. Oh, it's the players and the coaches' fault that we lost. Don't be stupid, Jersey Mike. Don't give me that nonsense. That's such an old trope. This is this is disgusting what I'm hearing right now. Blaming the players and coaches for losing that game, Jersey. You have gone too far, sir. Play calling was awful. Yeah, Jordan Love made some mistakes, but we have to be able to win games when he makes those. Come on now. You can't tell me this isn't a scheme problem. So I- you, you, you can't even throw Jer- – now you can't even throw your quarterback under the bus. No, no, no. How about this? Jordan Love was terrible and would be the reason we lost, which isn't even true, but I'm just, I'm just trying to piss you off now. Would be the reason we lost if it wasn't the fact that, it was, that you're the reason we lost. You are the reason that Jordan Love is the reason we lost. Okay, how about that? I mean, Matt LaFleur's got good plays, but how many, how many do we got to see? 
go negative before we realize, you know what, Matt LeFleur gets too cute. He gets too cute, especially when we start losing games. I think we came out, I think we came out and started off pretty hot. Even though, you know, we didn't what, score till the end of the first. You know, I, I feel like our team came out, we did some work. And then slowly but surely, Patrick Taylor was on the field more. A.J. Dillon was off the field. I remember watching Dontavian Wicks not be on the field half the time. Jaden Reed not be half the, on the field half the time. I'm like wondering what's going on. And, and Tucker Kraft wasn't in a lot. I mean, geez, I, I don't know what was going on with this offense. I, I'm sick of seeing Decide to go on out there. Anyway, I, I can't say much more. I'm depressed about this. That, that was a horrible loss. Anyway, go back, go. Wow. So now you're blaming Josiah DeGuara, who's not even playing. Unbelievable. And then you're going to come out here and talk about uh, Matt LaFleur looks cute and he looks hot. Like, bro, you have lost your mind, and I think your interest in the head coach should be a you thing. You don't need to call in and give us this nonsense talking about you're not to blame for this game when obviously you're the reason we lost, talking about our head coach is so hot. Like, bro, get, get a grip, will you? Freaking get control of your life because you are spiraling right now. Hey, Ryan, this is uh, Taj in Milwaukee calling you again. What's going on? I had this thought earlier today, and uh, it keeps popping up in my mind about a run game. Um I know we focused a lot on Jordan Love this year, you know, because it's his first year and quarterback play is obviously a, a huge component in how good our offense can be. But it just keeps running through my mind, like, what would Jordan Love look like if he had a positive run game? I don't mean, you know, we transform our O-line and suddenly they're good at run blocking and Aaron Jones is playing like he was two years ago and we have some other guy who makes us a crazy dual threat. I just mean, what if we had a positive, reliable run game. Like, he just knew that they were going to get three or four yards almost all the time. You know? I know this year it's like Jones isn't playing up to his team. That's his whole problem. I don't know. It's like Dylan doesn't, he's not terrible, but he doesn't look like the guy we drafted him to be. I, I just wonder if, like, I just wonder sometimes how good we would look if that part of our game could be a positive. I know we're at the point now where, like, we're handing off the ball to rookie wide receivers on end around to try to have a run game. I, I wonder I wonder why that aspect doesn't get more more attention because, I don't know, just the eye test doesn't look good. Anyway, that's my question. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, obviously we've gone through pretty thoroughly that run or passing is more important than running or whatever but um it is nice when you're stuck to be able to have that to get unstuck let me give you a parallel we all know that explosive plays are what matter but how do you get to those explosive plays generally you you set them up right you could say with the run but just stick with me here a lot of times you like to use the short passes not only to set it up, but to kind of get your quarterback into a rhythm. Imagine if you had a situation where you could not throw short passes. You could throw intermediate or deep passes, and that's it. That's a tough offense, and you can sit there and say, well, hey, that's what matters anyways. I understand, but we're going to be in third down a lot, and we're going to be punting a lot. Like, <laughs> it's going to happen a lot. Like, when we complete a play, like, it's going to be a great play. It's going to be dope. However... We might have a sucky offense. So, yeah, I mean, it's great to have 
the compliment. It's great when you're stuck on offense, as as tends to be the case, to be able to turn to your run. And when when you're struggling to pass and you can turn to your run and you have success, obviously you can turn to your run no matter what. But if you can turn to the run game and be successful at it and even lean on it in times when maybe the pass isn't there as much as that's your preference, or at least kind of help you until you can get your footing. You know, I mean, what if in this game we were able to run the ball consistently and then boom, you know, halfway through the third quarter, all of a sudden here comes Jordan Love looking like peak Jordan Love again. And at this point, we weren't playing from behind, you know, because we've been pretty successful on offense, et cetera, et cetera. Plus, there's just the physicality element. I mean, th- th- there's no doubt it's it's a beneficial thing. And being able to bolster that offensive line, I think, is going to be huge. And I'd love to be able to add another running back. I really do like a lot of the running backs in the draft class. Haven't fully fleshed out who my favorites are, although there are a couple that have caught my eye for different reasons. Um, the guy out of Texas is just a such a unique individual. In a weird way, he reminds me of like Cooper DeGene, but the running back version. I know that doesn't make sense, but it just he just does. It's just like he just has such an instinctive understanding. He doesn't look like he's doing anything necessarily special, but it's just it just works. He just knows exactly where to go, when to go. He understands things like leverage and things where you look at it and just go, well, he should have gone down there and he didn't. I don't know. I don't know, man, but I'm with you. Let's, uh, let's focus on it. I hope we do. I hope we, you know, even if it's not just for the sake of running the ball better, but in part, it's because of that. I definitely would love it if uh, we could really lean into offense, lean into offensive line, and maybe let the defense take a backseat a little bit this year. I think that would be not entirely, you know, but... Man, we go defense heavy a lot, and it would be cool to just really hammer offense and just see what we could come away with. You know, if if we have another 11 picks or whatever, like we do seemingly every year, and we can come away with, you know, five solid offensive pieces, you know, like one or two early guys, a a couple mid-rounders, and a late-round flyer, that's going to be pretty transformational. Hey, Ryan. Steve up in Alaska. Hey. Well, it looks like we got to deal with another another week of blah feeling crappy about the team. I know. Uh, this guy was done listening to your 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 live game uh, <laughs> podcast, which, you know, you're, you're probably right. Don't do those all the time because <laughs> it's just driving nuts to give you an ulcer trying to deal with being a podcaster and having a podcaster attitude and then being, you know, a fan and, and watching the game. Which, by the way, I enjoy listening to you watch the game because it's a couple days after the game. And your reactions and your thought process and, and do it were, I mean, identical to mine. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, you're a proper fan. You're not like some fans, but some fans suck. <laughs> um, the, uh, you, you got a heavy dose of fan in the fanalist that day. Um, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm glad that you came right out and said it. Jersey Mike, just, just don't go to games. Thank you. I, I know it sucks. Thank you. You know, you want to go to your team, but don't, please, for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, you're being selfish. I mean, I, I understand why you called in because exactly what you said. I'm going to games. And there's nothing you can do about it. But you're you're trying to be all like, well, it's not my fault. And obviously, I would if it was true. But you guys are wrong. No, just say I know I'm cursing the team, but I want to do it because I want it. I'm a, I'm a entitled little princess. Okay, just say it. Just be honest. Um. Yeah. That that game. Even even if we won it, which. You know, when you predicted how the end was going to be, I, I myself was sitting there with some friends watching it, and they're like, oh, you're up. And I'm like, we're going to lose. 
I can just see it, man. It happened exactly the way you said it, but exactly the way I was thinking it. We're going to give up some big play right off the bat, and they're just going to rush right down the field, and it was just awful. Um, and, it, and it felt like the game, you know, the Giants were trying to give it to us. You know, the, they made plenty of mistakes on their own that in the normal game would just be crushing mistakes. The Saquon Barkley fumble? You know, the guys in the room are like, oh, no, ground. I'm like, no, he fumbled that ball. You got to know the rules. He fumbled the ball. And nobody else except for us seemed to know the rule here. There was uh, that kickoff where the giant player could have put his foot out of bounds and touched the ball, and they would have got it at the 40. And instead, he tried to stand in front of it inbounds and cost themselves a bunch of I mean, there was mistakes. They made mistakes. And we capitalized on how many? Let me remember. Let me think. I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah, that's right. Zero. Um... But, yeah, it was a whole team failure. You know, the first half with Jordan, and I've said it before. I'm running a long time, so I'm going to try to make this quick. But um, I've said it before. When, when I look at his deep balls, I, I, I don't think he's got the arm or something in his throwing mechanics or in the way he lets go the ball because that ball comes in fluttering like a wounded duck on deep balls time and time again. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know, man. It's, it's going to be a, a rough week, but, you know, what do we expect? We're 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 a 500 team right now. We're young. We're trying to rebuild, and we'll see how it goes. But uh, all in all, let's, let's wait till next week. Go back. Take it easy, y'all. Bye. Yeah, and I'm just I just flipped on the game here. I actually forgot it was even a thing, and I see it's 42-17 for crying out loud. So um, that's a disaster. But yeah, I mean it just it just was. And again, that there's something encouraging about that in my mind. The fact that it was just a complete team implosion. Because, you know, it's one thing to just really be bad at football. It's another thing to lose because of just constant mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. And things that you can look at and go, okay, that's not going to happen again. I mean, there will probably be implosion games again. There will be really bad games from Jordan, really bad games from, you know, Keyshawn Nixon individually. But as much as it's discouraging, no doubt, to see them lose to the Giants the way that they did, et cetera, et cetera, there's also a feeling of like, okay, I, I don't actually expect that to be the standard from now on. So now we just move on and see how it goes. But anyways, I tried to get as many done as I could. I think I'm going to cut it there. Um, I might, because we still have a bunch of calls, and I try to get through as many as I can without having to skip all these. I might, might, might do another episode tomorrow. We'll do a little bonus before. I don't know. See what time I wake up and how things are going. See if I got a little friend in Venmo or something. <laughs> but otherwise, if if your call does end up getting skipped, I do apologize. I know I missed uh, a day of Packernet After Dark, but uh, a lot of calls this week, obviously, and I, I did my best, okay? Have a good rest of your day. Go Pack, and hopefully we'll talk uh, tonight for Victory Packernet After Dark, I guess. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.